It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Access Atlanta, your weekly look at what's fun, entertaining, and educational in and around Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Every week, we're here to help you get ready for the weekend and bring you conversations with some of the most interesting people in arts, culture, food, and entertainment. Let's get started with a couple of events that are happening around town this week. Colin Bloomstone and pianist and songwriter Rod Argent lead the modern incarnation of the Zombies, a band that's been on an incredible journey since forming in St. Albans, England in 1961, a career filled with highs, lows, decades of inactivity, and just about everything in between. The Zombies perform at center stage on Thursday, April 7th, with an opening slot from veteran singer-songwriter Bruce Sudano. In addition to a lengthy career, both solo and with the group Brooklyn Dreams, Sedano has written songs for artists such as Dolly Parton and spent decades collaborating with, managing, and writing for his late wife, Donna Summer. Read our interview with the Zombies Colin Bloomstone in the Living section in Saturday's Atlanta Journal-Constitution or check out the story on AJC.com. That solid coating of pollen now accumulating on your car means a few things. Yes, allergy season is here, but far more appealing, the full beauty of spring is in bloom throughout the city. So grab your antihistamine and celebrate the season with a few gorgeous garden experiences around Metro Atlanta, including the Chattahoochee Nature Center and that perennial favorite, the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Check out our list, including a few surprise picks, in this week's Go Guide and on AJC.com. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, we're going to hear from one of Georgia's most well-known comedians. You won't hear a single You Might Be a Redneck joke on Jeff Foxworthy's first solo stand-up special since 1998, and you'll only see it on a service that didn't even exist at the time, Netflix. The longtime Atlanta residents, the good old days special covers a broad array of relatable material, such as aging parents, erectile dysfunction ads, the difficulty of remembering passwords, and overpacking for vacations. Rodney Ho recently spoke with Foxworthy about the special, his connection to the Fox Theater, and his recent move to Brookhaven. Welcome, Rodney. Hey, how's it going, Shane? Good. Uh, so it, it's kind of shocking to to learn that it has been that long since Jeff Foxworthy did a stand up special. Yeah, he did one, I think, with Larry, the cable guy. Um, he did a bunch of blue collar 
comedy tour stuff as well. So he hasn't just done a solo. I, I'm not sure why he has chosen not to do so, um, but here he is. And uh, obviously Netflix pays very well. So I'm sure he couldn't say no. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was really interesting. Uh, you, uh, you've already written a story about this, which everybody can find on AJC.com. But it was interesting to read all of the different places he's lived in and around Atlanta. It, it was it was a pretty extensive list. Yeah, I mean, he was born and raised in Hapeville, so he's moved around quite a bit over the years. And then he eventually landed in, I think, Johns Creek, uh, you know, the same place where I think like Glavin lived and all that jazz. But he recently uh, sold his house. We wrote about that last year um, because he was an empty nester his kids are grown. So they decided to get a smaller place in Brookhaven. I'm sure it's still very nice. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Um, well, is, is there anything else we should know about uh, your chat with him before we go into the conversation? I mean, you know, he's 63. There's something about him that's so comforting um, and likable. And um, he's, you know, he seems like the type of person you can just go up to in a Home Depot and just have a conversation and you wouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah that, that's always been his persona, I guess. And he that never changes. I mean, he his, his mustache may be a little grayer than it used to be, but there's something comforting about the sameness of Jeff Foxworthy through the years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, um, well, thanks so much for uh, for bringing us this conversation. And Absolutely. let's uh, hear from Jeff Foxworthy himself. All right, uh, this is Rodney Ho with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I am here with Jeff Foxworthy, now a Brookhaven resident. I guess you 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 left my part of the town of, of Johns Creek not too long ago. <laughs> yeah, well, we were up there for like 22 years, I yeah, think. Yeah, long before, I think before it was called Johns Creek, right? Was yeah, it so I've lived in, I'm trying to, I've, so in Atlanta, I've lived in Decatur, Hapeville, College Park, Smyrna, uh, Norcross, Alpharetta, and now Brookhaven. So I've wow, just covered about, a lot of turf. Yeah, you, you've definitely just, been all over the place. <laughs> just about covered the whole city. Yeah. Very nice. So you enjoying Brookhaven so far? Has it been treating I, you well? I, I, I am. We, we, we did it because our kids, you know, once they got grown and moved away, they were both kind of down this way. And so now one of our girls is about nine minutes away and the other one's 10 minutes away. So it's it's kind of awesome to have them that close. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, welcome to Netflix. Uh, that's kind of a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's kind of a big deal. I was talking to my aunt last night and she said, I can't believe you're doing another special. She said, how long have you been doing comedy? And I had to think about it. I said, since 84, so 38 years. Yeah. Uh, Long, longer than your marriage, right? Yeah, well, j just a little bit. Yeah, about a year longer than my marriage. But I, I honestly, and I think at some point you and I talked about this, I never thought, I didn't have any illusion about it working out. You know, I figured I'd get to be a comedian for a few years and then it, it would peter out or something, right? Peter out and I'd have to go back <laughs> with my hat in my hand and ask for my job back. And IBM? <laughs> Yeah, like, can you imagine? And what, what was your last job title? Like, what what did you last do it? At? Well, it, okay, this is the way they would do it. So I was I was a CE, which was a customer engineer, which sounds, sounds fancy. Very, 
It sounds fancy. I carried a tool bag and I fixed machines. Uh, so yeah, customer engineer. Okay. Yeah. So they were already making fancy names for modest jobs back yes. in the day. Yeah. It sounds so glamorous. People are like, oh, wow, you must be I like, I carried a tool bag. I had screwdrivers. It was a step up from sanitary engineer or what, what do you call it? I the think older? the smell was better, but that was about it. So <laughs> So now you get to just, uh, so you've been able to just stand on stage and gab away and, and make money off of it, right? Not a bad gig. <laughs> it's, you know what, Ronnie, it's been, I've, I still enjoy it. I didn't know something this long and just still enjoy it. It's never, it's never seemed like a job. I, I told somebody. No, you look like you're still having fun up there. It doesn't look like a grind. You, you know, I, I, I don't see you looking at your watch 20 minutes into the gig. Like, no. is this over yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, now and, and now I will say the last couple of years the travel has been a challenge. You know whether it's wearing the mask or nothing. I know what a pain. Airport yeah. or and half of the hotels don't even have room service. But once I'm at the theater, then it's I just still go crap. I can't believe I got away with this this long. This is all <laughs> you've you've been snowing all your fans all these no, years. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. The longest, it's a long con, right? Somehow it's going to play out in the end. <laughs> that's, that's what I should have called it, the long con. I like that. <laughs> Just a few decades long. Um, well, I, I watched your special. They, they give me a, a you know, fancy special uh, code for me to watch it. Um, and uh, it appears uh, your material, you know, because of the pandemic seemed to stem quite a bit from your wife. You did this amazingly funny opening gig, which seemed to go on like you... I don't know if you even took a breath, did you, for that entire stretch of a joke? I two breaths in the middle of it somewhere, yeah. So It's like that, Michael Phelps underwater, right? You were able to stay underwater for like several minutes at a time. Well, and, and, and I'll tell you, I knew very early in the pandemic because I was the only person she had to talk to. I, I didn't know what I was going to put in the bit, but I knew I was going to do a bit about it. Because I'm like, I am not qualified to be the only person you have to talk to. The, I, the conglomeration of the things she mentioned, I presume most of that was actually stuff she might have actually said. It <laughs> at was. Some point. It was. Yeah. And I just kind of mixed up the order to where I could spew it all out at the same time. But uh, once I got it together, mm -hmm. it's one of those things. It's almost like people think it's over and then you keep going with it. Yes. And, it's always been one of my favorite things when you know you hit home with something, because as I'm doing it, I can see the men in the audience just elbowing their wives or pointing. It's like throat. a wave that keeps getting bigger and bigger as it goes along. You're like, oh, my God, is he really going to go for the 20 foot wave here? <laughs> it's, and it's you are, a... by the way, the only person that I've talked to that has seen it so far. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah like, so. like I said, I, I've got magic connections with Netflix, apparently. So they they. Uh... Well, please, very, very please fancy. tell me you laugh. Please tell me you enjoyed it. Oh, I, I, I watched that bit twice. So, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just worked. So it was a good it was a good way to open open your set. Uh, were you thinking of using that at the end of the set? Or is that a better bit, you think, to, to sort of get people going? Well, originally, when I was tr trying to put all the ideas together, I had it towards the end. Right. And, um. But I was like, because I didn't really 
want to talk about the pandemic, you know, because it's like after two years, everybody. It's not going to age that well, right? In five or 10 years. Yeah. But I thought you you have to acknowledge it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to right. spend a lot of time on no, it. No, you're not going to talk about mask mandates and stuff. That's really not your gig. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And so then I thought, well, if I have to acknowledge it, maybe this is a good way to start it. And and it ended up working well. But no, you're exactly right. Originally, because it was so kind of fast paced, I thought about putting it at the end. And um, yeah, I feel like you've been you've got cameras in my home or something. Uh, yeah. Your um, your wife, Pamela, I guess she's been very patient over the past. She, I guess she stayed married to you all these years, despite being obviously a, a major source of material for you. And I presume she's very tolerant of this. Do you clear everything with her? Like, do you tell the jokes to her? And she says, eh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few times that I said, hey, can I talk about this? And she goes, no, no, uh-uh. we cannot talk about this. Uh, this one, I just kind of ran the idea by her. I said, you mm-hmm. know, because there's, for people that have been married a long time, I've noticed the, the guys don't say a whole lot, but the women do and I said yeah I, and and she a spoke a lot that? during your pandemic she had nobody else to talk to so you just uh, had to listen to everything every little bit uh, and, then the, <laughs> and then when she first saw it I think I was I was like on a Monday or Tuesday night I was at the punchline and I was working on it and she goes well I didn't know it was going to be that big of me just talking non-stop and I said eh, it just kept growing it didn't start out that big it just kept growing yeah uh, you also talk about her packing habits and um yeah, it, it was fun. I, I guess, uh, like I said, she must she must love you deeply. <laughs> well, well it, because if if I get to do Netflix specials, then she gets to go on good vacations, and so that's that's, that's and she can pack fun. whatever she wants, right? <laughs> Is it weird to know that like it, it starts like with Netflix, 170 countries, like everybody from Zimbabwe to Laos will get to watch this special at the same time, which is kind of weird. It, 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 it is, and I try not to, it's it's hard enough within the United States to come up with stuff that-, that Is relatable. Think, okay, people in the Northeast are gonna laugh at this and people in the, uh, so when, once I start getting outside the country, that freaks me out. So I try not to think about that. Uh, I will tell you when I was doing Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, that thing ended up being syndicated in like 89 countries or something. And um, and the, somebody had contacted Fox and they wanted to know if it was required that the host have a mustache. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> well, if you've got a female host, I've got a couple of ants I could send you down there. Though. Ouch. A couple of ants that would qualify for that one. Oh, my gosh. Well, putting together, was there any additional pressure doing this for Netflix versus anything else? Or have you gotten beyond is pressure like no longer a thing when it comes to putting these specials together? At this uh, well, stage of your life? You know, the, the, the real pressure is, is, is reaching that day where, you know, you, you, you're, you've got a show that you've been doing, and it's been doing great. And then to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not doing this material. I'm starting from scratch. And, and that's one of those cans I have to, I have to kick down the road a little bit and work myself up to that mentally, because once you make that decision that I'm going to sit down and write a new 90 minutes, it's, it's scary. And there's, it's a lot of material. there's, There's no easy way to do it. I mean, you, 
it's you have to go. I don't want to go in a club on a Saturday night because I think they're more generous laughing. I want to go like on a Monday or Tuesday when there's only 30 or 40. The, the hardcore comedy fans come go on a Monday and Tuesday, right? Yes. And super so discerning. I figured they're going to be honest with me. And it's kind of one of the things that fascinates me still about stand up is is I still don't know what people are going to laugh at because I, I usually write everything on note cards. And I mean, there are things like if you and I were walking in and I had my stack of note cards and you said, all right, pick the four that are going to work the best. Even after 38 years of doing this, I would be dead wrong on two of them. There would be two in there that that just got nothing. And, you know, and you're like, oh, wow. 50, well, 50% is pretty good for baseball, but maybe not for, for comedy. <laughs> no, it, but I always assume the audience is right, you know, so, but I, and then there's other times where I have an idea where I think, well, this is stupid or this is, and I throw it out there and people are beating the tables and I'm like, really? Yeah, that's funny. Um, but was so, there was there something you thought was super funny, you know, where you're working on? You said this is a slam dunk and it just died when you were. Oh, testing yeah, there were there were several things. But if you if I go back, you know, you can what is it they call it like forensic uh, forensically? If I, I go back and I looked at the way this started, there were a lot of things that I thought, oh, this is going to be a main component of this. And I never could get them to work. And so, you know, like I said, at some point you have to go, well, the audience is right. They'll tell you what they like and, you know, to give up on it. This is Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We'll continue with our chat with Jeff Foxworthy after a short break. But first, here's more of our list of things to do around Metro Atlanta. The greatest hits of brunch can turn into a tired playlist if you make the same restaurant rounds often enough. Eggs Benedict, omelets, chicken and waffles, avocado toast, quiche, granola, and pancakes on an endless loop will put you right back to sleep. However, a new Caribbean-themed brunch in town is reason to wake up on a lazy Sunday and drive to North Hills Shopping Center in Embry Hills. An overhead sign reads Havana Soul Cafe, but you have indeed arrived at Bell and Lily's. Despite having been open for nearly four months, the Caribbean brunch house still awaits signage. It's the only glitch at this restaurant where most everything else is in sync. Check out our review in this week's Go Guide or find it online along with much more on Atlanta's dining scene at AJC.com. As Georgia's film industry has boomed, helpful Facebook groups have sprung up like toadstools after a rain. And like any fungus, they involve a certain amount of fertilizer in the form of rants, arguments, flirting, and self-promotion. If you can scroll through that nonsense or revel in it if you have time to kill, Opportunities abound for casting calls, crew calls, hair and makeup needs, indie film ops, student films needing crew or actors, extra work, and much more. Our partners at Arts ATL have explored some of these groups and offer a synopsis of what you'll find there, along with interviews with some of the folks who run them. Check it out online at AJC.com. Now it's time for this week's adoptable pet from the folks at Lifeline who run the Fulton and DeKalb shelters along with the Lifeline Community Animal Center. Sugar Pie is so sweet that it's tempting to think the beloved Four Tops classic I Can't Help Myself Sugar Pie Honey Bunch was written just for her. She's a lovable three-year-old pup who just wants to play and roll in the sun above anything else. 
Sugar Pie has been with Fulton County Animal Services since June of 2021 and is looking for that person to be her ultimate sidekick, someone to explore the big wide world with. Sugar Pie will usually roll over on her back for a belly rub when you take her out of her crate, but once the fresh air hits her nose, she is ready to play all day. But the sweetness doesn't stop there. She's ready for the biggest cuddle session once the play day is done. Sugar Pie is also a unicorn. Unicorns are some of the shelter's residents who are currently working with a staff member or volunteer to help their brightest and best personality come through. Sugar Pie is smart and loves to learn, so her shelter buddy is currently working on teaching her cues and working on leash manners to have the best walks. Check out Sugar Pie at Fulton County Animal Services Shelter at 860 Marietta Boulevard Northwest in Atlanta and find a photo of her on the story page for this podcast at AJC.com. Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on. And you're helping us fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's continue our conversation with comedian Jeff Foxworthy. There is a moment in this special, you don't do a lot of physical comedy, but you actually did one this time, right? Was that, uh, did that feel unusual or, you know, taking a chance and literally, I won't say the joke, but you were literally rolling on the floor. (laughs) Do you you know, Rodney, that was a spur of the moment thing. I had not planned that. Wow. and, and it just kind of happened. And then when I was halfway through with rolling on the floor, I did have the thought, God, I hope I'm going to be able to get back up again. Because, <laughs> you know, some comics are known for, you know, physical yeah. comedy, Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, you know, some folks are known for that. You're, you're known for jokes, but not for ro- running around on stage. Right? That's not your Well, thing. years ago, I did a, I think it, it might have been the first blue collar movie. I did a joke about kids in the grocery store and I I did the kid throwing a tantrum and I would throw myself in the floor and I would just get on one elbow and I would run my feet and I would do a circle like that. Oh my God, I forgot. I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. It's only been 20 years. I'll have to to remind myself. And so I had a friend that was a chiropractor and I'd go see him from time to time and he'd be, and he would go, oh my gosh, you've been doing the serial joke again, haven't you? And it was like, (laughs) Totally whack out my back when I would do it. It sounds like mini break dancing or something. Is that what you're doing? It's exactly what it was. I would just get, I would just run my feet around and I would do, it was just a kid throwing a tamper, tantrum on the uh, cereal aisle. Oh my gosh. So, but at this point, you know, you know, your limitations, right? Rolling around is probably the extent of it at this stage, right? 
yeah, exactly. That was the, I, I paid the price for that, and and so uh, where, where did you shoot this particular special? Which uh, which venue did you choose? Well, you know what was, what was funny because I was thinking, I, I really didn't think I was going to do another special, and then kind of the more I worked on this material, I thought this is good stuff, and so. Um, I did a deal with Netflix, and but I thought I want to do it at the Fox. I, I you know, I, out of everywhere in the world, that's my favorite place. Of course, to yeah, that's your hometown. Theater. And and we got the first time we had a date scheduled, it was canceled because of COVID. They weren't doing any shows. We had a second date; it got pushed back because of I know COVID. it got pushed back a couple of times. And then um, and then the third time. They said that they, they did a thing with the, the union after I said the only way you could film something was everybody in the theater had to have proof of double oh, vaccination. Oh, oh. And, and you're like, oh, my God, what a nightmare. And I'm like, yeah. you know, the Fox is 4,500 people. I said, I, I can't do that. I can't ask everybody to do that. And so... Sure. Uh, we ended up doing it at a, at a small little theater, which kind of looked like the Fox, but it wasn't near as big. We did it in Minneapolis and, and the audience had to all wear masks, which was weird for me. Right. Looking at them. Well, I noticed that, that they didn't show audience members probably on purpose, right? They didn't well, show they, sh they do a couple of shots from behind. So they would shoot. Them yeah. So that's why I like not face. Yeah. I didn't notice anything about masks. They don't want people to be reminded. So that's no, because it's weird enough, you know, because part of it for you is the audience kind of sets the the pace of the race, you know, is of course is I'm looking at them and I can see them laughing and all. And it's, so it's it's very kind of weird to look out and you can't really see those facial expressions. All you see is eyes. Uh, so you then just depend on kind of hearing the laughter and 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 setting your pace with that. But uh, when I you did Fox Theater at the Fox, it, yeah, I mean, you eventually finally did your makeup date at the Fox, right? Just a few weeks yes. ago. Right? Yeah. And how did that go? Were, were people having to wear masks, or by then were were you able to do it without it, or? Was it, still it, it was like required? half and half. They, oh, you know, they said people had to have masks, but people got in and flipped yeah. them off. And, yeah, welcome to Georgia, right? <laughs> yeah, and, but it was, uh, it, it might have been the best show I've ever done. I just love playing the Fox. It's just, it's so warm and, you know, it's probably because it's my hometown. Yeah, uh, and, and and you were you were involved with saving it, right? Back in the day? Uh, oh, yeah, way. back in the day. Yeah, I had a Save the Fox bumper sticker on my truck. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, but just to think it came so close to being torn yeah. down. And, and it's funny because you play all these new buildings with all this technology. But there's something about when you're on stage at the Fox, the sound is so rich and you can hear. It's just like the laughter just rolls down to you like a waterfall or something. Um it's just a magical place. And that's why I, I, I really wanted to, to do the special there. What's it like backstage? Like you said, it's not modern. So the backstage is kind of tight, isn't it? It's got weird little alleyways. The steps are all kind of narrow and bizarre. <laughs> it, it's got an elevator that you ha that they have to have somebody that runs the elevator. It's got like the old- It's an elevator thing. operator. Oh my goodness. Yes, like yes, they have an elevator operator in between the top floor, and the main stage in the stairwell, there's like a life-size picture of me on the wall. And I was telling one of my friends about, of course, they because of COVID, nobody could come backstage. But I said, dude, 
my picture is on the wall, like life-size at the Fox. He goes, no, it's not. I said, I swear, if you're ever in the stairwell between the oh, second- Oh, that's bizarre. Room, you got to check who it else, out. Yeah, who else do they have featured in the stairwell for the people who never get to go back there? Is it like the Allman Brothers? Who else is back there? Elvis Presley. Elvis. Elvis Presley is on another floor. Oh, so nice. that's the only time Elvis and I will be listed in the same sentence. Well, I'm sure you guys have performed in some of the same places. So that's kind of cool, right? <laughs> yeah, right. it's way, way cool. When you think about all the people that have performed at the Fox, uh, you know, I remember being a teenager and seeing Skinner there. I watched Buffett record an album there. Um, saw Dan Fogelberg. And I mean, just, you know, I've been going there forever. So when you get to stand on that stage, it's, it's really special. Did you, uh, you know, in the, when the hometown shows happen, do you bring a lot of family and friends or do they try to beg you for tickets or do they pay for them themselves? <laughs> uh, you know what? It's a, a few times ago. This is probably going back about 10 years, but it got so out of control. I bought 600 tickets to my own show to give away <laughs> to family and friends. <laughs> And I'm like, what idiot oh, is hilarious. to his own show? I'm like, I'm doing this for free, you know? <laughs> uh, and so this time I was just like, you know, for the people you see all the time, you're like, no, nah, you don't have to go. And so, but, but like you said, we had a lot of people that uh, bought their own tickets and uh, just showed we up. Yeah, I mean, given given the pandemic, were you able to do a meet and greet at all or, or you know, at home or? No, we couldn't not, do not anything yet. backstage. But my sister, she's been going through cancer this year. So she had just finished oh, chemo and rang the bell. And so she said uh, that she met while going through of all that. She brought them. So I waited when the show was over and went out there and, and got to talk to them and meet her friends and all. Which Oh, that's good. How, how's your sister doing? She's doing, Hey, she's cancer free now, dude. She went from stage four to cancer free. Wow. So, so this was kind of a celebration type yeah, of concert abso- for her? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a big oh, that's deal. Wonderful. Were, were you, do you throw in any localized jokes for Atlanta for a Fox theater show? Did you do anything just for the just for the crowd or is that I, yeah, well, is that I, too pandering even for you? Well, it's a little <laughs> pandering, but but you know, I, I'm a lifelong Georgia Bulldogs fan, but I'd gone to tech because I had to live at home. I didn't have any money. And so I I did lead the crowd in calling the dogs because we had just won the national championship. So uh oh that's great. I, I, we yeah, it's it's been dogs. a fun, it's been a fun year. I mean, the Braves too. I mean, it's been a wonderful year, hasn't it? Yeah, who who you know, how cool was that? Because it was so unexpected. So the, the city that never wins anything got to win two of them back to back, which was really cool. Yeah, that was bizarre. Uh, very, very bizarre in a good way. Um, so you feel, you're feeling sad about Freddie Freeman leaving or you're, you're okay? Yeah, I love Fred. I mean, I understand it's a business, but I love yeah. Freddie. I love, I love the fact that Freddie stuck around for all those bad years. You yeah, know, I was hoping he was- he'd be the next Chipper Jones, right? And just ride out his career here, you know? You and me both. And, and, and it was like, could y'all not have worked something out? I mean, you know, but yeah, it's tough, I mean, man. I guess, I guess that's sports, uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's sad. It's like, I can't really imagine the Braves without Freddie on them. Yeah. Well, we got Matt Olson for eight years, so that will, hopefully that will work out just fine. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, well, what else did you have anything else planned on the TV side? I know during the pandemic you had that show on, uh, should I remember this correctly? Was it A&E? 
Very good, Rodney. Yeah, it was A&E. Uh, it, it, and it was so funny because that show was going to be a live show and it was going to be kind of innovative where people watching could bid on stuff on their phone and then yes. the pandemic hit and we had to change the whole way we did that. But, but I mean, it was, I missed doing stand-up a lot, but I used it like, um, I wrote a movie script for the first time. I'd always kind of had an idea for a movie and I wrote a movie script for the first time and invented a couple of more games. So we've got uh, version two of Relative Insanity is going to be out this year. And so- That's right. Yeah, this, um, is, your, this is your family-friendly version of, uh, I guess, that Cards Against Humanity. Is that what that, that's called? Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't have to go very far to be friendlier to the family than Cards Against Humanity. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I found ways, you know, to, to stay to creative. Busy, but- but I, but I did find I, I just missed stand up more than anything that I do, TV or anything. I just that's your I core missed. being. Yeah, I'm one of the weird ones. Most most people get into stand up because it's it is a springboard to do TV and movies. Right. And then once people do that, they kind of don't do stand up anymore. And I got to do TV and movies, but if you put a gun to my head and said you can't do but one thing, it would I think it would always be stand up. I just it's it's so unique. There's nothing else like it. It is. Uh, it, yeah, it's very much. A, it's a true one man or one woman or whatever. One person show, whatever you call it. One person. <laughs> show, yeah, well, I was thinking one human being show. Politically correct now. Right. Exactly. One yeah. human being show. Right. Yes. Well, uh, last question before we go. Ron White said you know, your friend Ron said he's retiring. Did that kind of shock you when you heard he said, I'm, I'm done with stand up forever at the end of the year? Or do you believe him? Is he going to Tom Brady us or something and come back? Well, <laughs> well, it's funny because Bill said it and then Ron said it. I think Bill, I think Bill means it. And I think Ron's really. Probably- yeah, I, th- I could see Bill's got a great life. He he built a house in Park City and he loves to travel with his wife and all. And I could see Bill doing it. I bet you if I wanted to, I could talk Ron out. Of it. Oh, <laughs> you give him the right offer, he'll come yeah, back. Yeah. yeah, I think I could probably talk Ron out of it. Um, yeah, he can. you can pull a share on him, right? He's like, I'm retiring, but I'm not retiring. So uh. Yeah, right. Uh, I, you know, Ron... I, I don't know. We'll see. Cause I said, Tater, I said, Tater, you're not retiring. I'm doing it happy. I'm not doing it anymore. And I said, all right, we'll see. He loves How about it. Larry? Uh, who's going to outlast, who's going to last longer on, on doing standup? You or, or Larry, who's going to be the last of the blue collar folks still on the road in 2035? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because yeah, like two of the guys, two, half of them have said, all right, we're, we're hanging the cleats up. Yeah, I, my fear was always, and even when I started, I would tell my wife, "Tell me when I'm not funny anymore, because I don't want to be the comedian that's still going on stage and he's not funny anymore." And she said, "If you'll listen closely, you'll know when you're not funny anymore." I think you'll know, yeah. And so, well, if you feel like you've lost a step, or if something just isn't quite right anymore, right, you'll know. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't want to stay too long at the dance. Uh, I, right. But I still, I still enjoy it. So I'm just say I'm listening carefully now uh, right. uh, for any for any hint of it's time to hang them up. 
So you versus Larry. So we'll see who 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 hangs it up first. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Larry, Larry's never going to turn down the fair dates because he gets free corn dogs in the deal. So, oh, my gosh. Oh, I didn't realize that that was part of his contract. Right. That's in his writer. <laughs> well, we did a fair together right before the pandemic. And uh, I think he must have gone on first. And I heard him tell the guy, could I get a few corn dogs? to take home to my kids. And I'm like, <laughs> really for his kids? Really? Well, and the, but Rodney, when the guy showed up, he had a bag with like 30 corn dogs in it. I said, don't even act like those are for your kids. You're going to be eating those on the plane on the way out of here. So, oh my God. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time. Always great talking to you, Rodney. Take care. Take care. The AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on AJC.com along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. Each January, he'd arrive by train, an elderly white-haired man in a rumpled suit and a winter coat too warm for Georgia, on his way from New England to a snowbird's winter break in Florida. He'd stay a few days, take solitary nighttime strolls, and talk to students and faculty, sometimes rambling a bit about what he'd written, but never about what it meant. For years, Robert Frost, the best-known American poet of his time, loved stopping by Agnes Scott College, the private women's liberal arts college in Decatur, and the campus loved him stopping by. He visited 20 times, giving poetry readings and informal talks to packed audiences. This year marks the 60th anniversary of his last visit, in January 1962, and since April is National Poetry Month, it seems an opportune time to remember this largely forgotten chapter in Atlanta history. Read more about Frost's connections to Agnes Scott in Saturday's Living section in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, or read the story online at AJC.com. Atlanta's own Christian Bush, at age 52, feels like he's been at an interesting musical juncture every decade. In 1992, at age 22, he signed a record deal with Atlantic with his roots rock duo Billy Pilgrim. Ten years later, at 32, he formed what would become his Grammy-winning country act Sugarland. In 2012, at age 42, he signed his first solo deal. Now 52, he's embarking on an ambitious project called 52, releasing 52 songs from his back catalog of unreleased tunes over a span of four albums. Rodney Ho spoke with Bush at his studio in Decatur about this project and what listeners can expect. Find that in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host and the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. 
Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.